Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Welcome to the solo episode of the Your Truth is Calling podcast. I am your host, Nadira Razak. I actually posted a story on my Facebook um, personal profile. So to whoever is my friend on Facebook, they could see it. It was about my son, my oldest, turning 11, and it reminded me of the kind of experiences I had leading up to that birth, and I named it Mermaid Tales because I have this urge to want to go swim with wild dolphins in Kona, Hawaii, and I had seen some of my other coach buddies go on this particular experience, and I got this sort of gut feel to go, right? And so this episode, I want to kind of unpack what it's like to have had home births with all of my three boys. They were born in water in my respective homes that I've lived in. Uh, We have moved about three times and we've been in this particular home for the last six years. So I had my youngest baby in this, well, he's not a baby anymore. He's five now. Uh, But I also had him at home in water and I went through a system of getting, you know, an independent midwife and a doula for my first birth. Uh, In the second birth, I just had my, uh, the same midwife. And in the third birth, uh, I had two midwives who attended, but when the baby actually arrived, um, they were out having dinner him you know in the nearby shopping mall because I actually just needed some space with my chiropractor and um yeah it was just myself and my husband and my husband has actually caught all all three babies it wasn't the midwife doing that they actually gave that honor to the father uh and it's just us who held the babies for the first time it wasn't some stranger so um I just wanted to unpack this because I have been asked to share it and I I have felt like I've told this story many times but it's probably to select clients of mine I've said it in circles that have been very intimate I haven't shared it publicly so this is my first time sort of putting it out there I feel like you know if this resonates with you and if you've had um, an interest in what it's like to trust your body at that level and to not go through a system where it's overly medicalized and you're in a hospital system. Um, I see birth as a rite of passage. I don't see myself as a patient, you know, when I'm pregnant with a being inside. And uh, I just wanted to share some lessons that I have had through that experience and possibly, you know, if there's anything that resonated with you, I would love you to share Um, and tell me as well in my DMs on Instagram, how do you want to interact with this podcast? Because I feel like I don't have a lot of interaction with you as a listener and I'm wondering how you might want that connection. Like, do you want us to have like closed doors, you know, a, a session on Zoom or something like that, like an event. Uh, maybe we could set something up, up on Eventbrite um, if if that is of interest to you. If we have any um, sort of takers on that, I might consider doing that. So let's dive in as to how I even came across this whole uh, world of home birthing because it wasn't in my consciousness, right? So it's like you don't know what you don't know. And I kind of fell into this sphere because of obstacles. I had obstacles finding a hospital that aligned when I found out I was pregnant. Now, I was someone, if you looked at me as a character, I wasn't someone who was planning to have a baby <laughs> and had, you know, created this. 10-year plan of here's what I'm going to have my kids at this age or any of that. 
I'm not very strategic in that sense. I'm very much a go with the flow type of person. Um, I was very much in love with my husband. Um, we had that going on and just how it all happened. Like I was very much also, uh, you know, it was my first year having quit my job cold turkey and had my business, right? And my business took off when I quit my job. I went to like from zero to 40K in like the first four months in my coaching business. And that was as a result of really learning how to make a decision, how to make a decision and be committed to something, right? I hadn't created that before. So that was a very um, huge experience for me. It was um, one of those experiences is when I first got into coaching, I was like, well, I really want this thing to work I want to know what it's like to have your own thing and actually create an income from it because that was the sort of salary I was on when I was you know in an admin job working at a TAFE college uh being an admin um administrator for like all these courses that the TAFE would run in the business section and I then also worked for a business coach doing telesales for him but in that scenario, it's like, okay, I find out I'm pregnant. I didn't actually know till about, I think I was a couple of weeks in. And when I called the first hospital that I was told would be a good hospital to call, I got an instant no from the person who took my phone call. I said, look, um, my due date is this particular date in December. Um, and the woman just straight out said, sorry, we're full for births in December. You'll have to try another hospital. So I was like, okay, I did not expect that rejection straight away. And, you know, you know, like this was all new to me, right? I've never phoned, like phoned a, a hospital and done this before. So I wasn't sure what to expect on the other side, but I, that wasn't what I was expecting, right? I just thought, well, where are you supposed to have the baby then, you know? And then I had some other options. My local hospital um, at the time um, was going under, like they had a lot of construction happening. They were building a new wing. And that whole area was very, very messy. And I am someone who just knows in my body what's correct for me and what's not correct for me. Just pure instinct, right? I'm very connected to my instinctual responses. Even if I meet like a person I either just instinctually know I can trust this person or I cannot trust this person. I can smell a rat, right, a mile away. Even when my father used to like bring people home and say, oh, this is such a so-and-so, such a religious person who's going to do this and that. I would like scan them almost from a mile away and go, I know you're saying that, dad, but I don't trust this person, right? And so I was very wary of what side of the street um, is the safe side of the street and which side of the street I wouldn't be walking down or what time of the evening I would not be seen outside because I know what's good for me in that sense, right? So my body just knew and I knew I didn't want to go to that hospital. So I ended up applying uh, to have my baby in the city hospital, which was a public one. And I got a rejection letter from them saying, well, you do not live uh, in the vicinity of this neighborhood, you're outside of the radius. So I'm sorry, but we're going to have to reject you. Try your local hospital instead. But I knew I didn't want to try my local hospital. And then I also looked at a hospital that was a little bit um, outside of my radius, but the, where you could actually go and have your baby, like with midwives and everything attending. But it, it just something about it just did not click with me. So I was getting very stressed and very anxious because I'm thinking, okay, it's been about three months now and I still don't know where I'm having this baby. Um, I have another six months to go. What am I going to do? So 
I felt like I had done all of the research and the options with my mind, uh, did what I could do, and there was nothing else I wanted to do uh, that aligned. Like, yes, I also did go through a private model of going to see a gynecologist because someone my mom knew at her workplace recommended this person and they were local. But um, I spent all this money, went to see him. uh, And the first conversation he was having with us was, if these test results come back, because obviously you do all of this prenatal testing to see if there's any defects or uh, whether the baby has a chance of having Down syndrome, doing all of these tests, right? And he had this conversation now, we're just finding out that we're pregnant. There was no real bedside manner of being happy for you. Um, he just went through it as a very prescriptive, uh, oh, so if you find out that the, you know, the, this test comes back with genetic defects, are you going to abort? Like I was looking at my husband going, what? Like, let me even just let the penny drop that I am now having a baby. Now you're asking me to make these decisions. And I don't know, I didn't like how it felt. And I was going, well, I I did chat to my husband about it. Like, well, what are we going to do? And I don't know. I I went for the second appointment for like a follow-up for some reason and paid my 130 bucks or whatever it was to see this person. And he couldn't even like remember me (laughs) from the last consultation. And I was thinking that is one value of mine. Like if I am working with someone and someone's a caregiver for me, that person needs to take an interest in who I am. I don't know whether that's being conceded or whether I'm asking for too much, but that is like my bare minimum standards that this person knows me as a person who cares about like what I value, right? And to, to be treated as one in a gazillion people that they see, um, I just wasn't into that, right? I'm thinking, I'm paying you all this money and you have zero recollection of me seeing you a couple of weeks prior. This is not going to fly. So I opted out of that system, right? Because otherwise, um, I don't think we had insurance at the time to go private, but I was considering that. It's like, okay, we'll have to pay this chunk of money to have this baby in a private hospital. That was another option, uh, but an option that I didn't take. So what I did at the time, I remember I thought, okay, let me give it this one last shot. I had this rejection letter from the city hospital and they said, you know, try a local hospital. And so I thought, okay, you know what? I haven't really given my local hospital a chance. Let me go check it out. So I didn't go inside, mind you, I drove past that hospital. And even as I was driving past, I got such a gut, like a visceral body knowing that it's an absolute no. I was disappointed because I wanted to be it. I wanted it to be a yes, because then that would have just been easy, right? So I drove, I was my little Mazda 2 that, you know, I'd bought after my university completed. And I still have that car. I haven't sold it. (laughs) And I drove it into this carport. We had a carport in this uh, unit that we were renting in Doncaster. And I just started crying because I felt like I had all these dead ends. Like how many no's are you going to get? How many no, it's not this way. I I can't see myself going through with this, uh, you know, because I, I just feel like I had to surrender. I did not know the answer. I couldn't come up with an answer in my mind. Everything was feeling like a no, a rejection, an obstacle. Uh, so I just started crying because I felt helpless, right? And then 
sometimes it's in those moments of helplessness where you feel like, I don't know, Allah, like, I don't know. And I wasn't even very practicing. I must say, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't wearing a hijab. I don't even know if I was very consistent with my prayers at the time. I was very much into my coaching and personal development world and I'd strayed far, far away from my deen or my Islam at the time. But I still had a connection with God. Like, you can talk to God. God doesn't say, oh, um, you know, he doesn't say, oh, you have to be a believer to call on me. He just says, call on me or the uni, right? And I will respond. So I didn't even know that ayah at the time, but I just knew I could talk to God. Like, that wasn't unavailable to me. So I said, I don't know what to do, Allah. Like, I don't know what to do. And I think I don't know is a real walk of trust to say I don't know because your ego is like handing over the reins right absolute surrender to whatever Allah has planned and what Allah has planned and had planned for me was far far greater than my mind could even conceive because home birthing wasn't in my consciousness I didn't know it was a thing at the time can you believe it all I knew was that I'd seen my sister give birth at hospital in a private hospital in the city. I lived in the city at the time when I was going to uni and I lived with my sister. So I didn't have like an international student experience. I lived with my sister. So I had family. Um, so I only saw that as my model of, of what birth was like in a hospital. That's all I knew, right? And her birthing experience was what I had access to. I had little baby cousins. So I've seen them being breastfed and stuff in Sri Lanka. Um, but I didn't see the hospital experience that my aunties went through. It was just the baby. I saw the end product. So when I said, I don't know, Ya Allah, and I called out to Allah, God, I got an answer back. Now, I am very cluey as to how guidance speaks to me. I know that when I my intuition speaks to me, and it's that voice of giving me guidance, it sounds differently to my normal, everyday mental chatter that can go in my head. It's very quiet, it speaks softly, and it speaks first. And I have learned to pay attention to how that voice speaks to me. And all I got when I called out and said, I don't know what to do, and I started crying, all I heard back was, don't do anything. Don't do anything. That's it. That's all I heard. Don't do anything. What's that? Three words? That's it. So I had to trust that don't do anything was the answer. I couldn't ask another question, but the answer was simple. It was don't do anything. So I went about my days like not thinking about where I was going to give birth, not stressing about it, not entertaining any thoughts to do with birth. And three days later, in my inbox, I had a Yahoo account at the time that I would check I still remember it. I still remember seeing, I can literally, as I'm telling you the story, I can see the subject line. It said birth power workshop. Now, do you think that that email stood out now because I had this relationship with myself and that voice that said, don't do anything? I was like, whoa, like that was an answer and it stood out. And guess what? I had been receiving emails from this particular sender multiple times and I hadn't opened a single thing because it didn't resonate. The only reason I was connected with that person who sent me that email was because I worked for a business coach in Elstonwick and one of our clients, our regular clients, Stan, his wife, now I had seen, I was part of the uh, team, you know, in that office. It was like a family business and I would 
meet and greet clients and I would be there when we had client appreciation nights and, you know, like we would celebrate our clients' achievements of revenue growth and all of that. And so Stan was someone I would see at breakfast meetings and sometimes he would bring his wife. So I had met his wife and that's probably how I got on her newsletter list, right? I kind of remember she must have said something to me and I said, oh, oh, I think she, oh, that's what it was. She ran a jewelry making like a side business or something. And one day I had bought one of her uh, things, I think, somehow. Anyway, I got on her list and she was running this uh it was a workshop and she had invited the school of spiritual midwifery's principal to speak. And something about this workshop really spoke to me. I had to buy a ticket. I think it was like $35 or something like that. And because I had that relationship with her, I said, you know what? Um, instead of just me coming on my own to this, is it okay if I ask my husband to come as well? Now I, my, I had a bump, I had a baby bump. So I must've been, I don't know. Was I like five months, six months into the pregnancy? I really don't remember, but I literally remember having a protruding tummy. Um, and she said, yeah, like bring him along. And I don't think I needed to buy him a ticket. I think he, he just came for free as my uh, one plus <laughs> visitor guest. And this was in Camberwell in a healing center. We had all these other moms with their bellies protruding. And this very passionate, eccentric woman who was talking to us about the five P's of birth. And I was like, ooh, five P's of birth. Like the people, the place. Um, I can't remember what the other P's were, sadly. But it planted a seed that, oh, there's another way to have a baby. It doesn't have to be in a hospital. And they talked about all of the uh, things that happen when you go into a hospital scenario where you cannot control your environment. There's bright lights. There's a lot of machines. There's a lot of intrusions of people coming in asking you questions when you don't want to really be talking at the time. You're in the zone, right? When you're having a baby. Um, like your body takes over and your mind turns to mush. Uh, so that you, you didn't have to be in this controlled environment. You had power to control your environment. And something about that really spoke to me. Like it felt so natural. Like, of course, like why would you go and put yourself in a hospital system? And I knew that my being does not align with a hospital system. I never felt comfortable in hospitals. I didn't like the smell of hospitals. I never liked the bright lights in hospitals. I didn't like that you had to wait. Um, and you'd hear the beeps of the machines. Um, I don't know. It, it just, I never felt relaxed in a hospital setting. And because of that, I was like, well, it, it makes sense to me. It really made sense to me. My uncle, my intellect really loved that insight that I got from that workshop. And then, you know, it just the next step was just talking to my husband and going, well, I feel like this is aligned. I, I want to look it up. I want to research more. And funnily enough, so I bought this book that the host uh, had written. I think she just collected birth stories from other women who had gone through natural birth. So I had that as a resource, just a book. I remember there was a raffle and I even won the raffle. It was, uh, I got a cleaning package, like three hours of uh, a cleaner coming to my house and cleaning the place up. Now, mind you, we had a water issue where uh, in that unit that we were living in, our neighbor had put up a, like a shed or something without getting council approval. And because of that structure that wasn't approved, 
the water from his property was draining into our property and it was gathering under our guest room and I was wondering why suddenly it smelled very musty in our guest room and so when we escalated it now there was this massive pool of water collecting under the guest room and they actually had to come sort it out so now closer to the birth there were these tradies coming in and out of the house we had to disassemble the bed there put it in our living room it was a mess like I was really annoyed because at that time you're trying to nest you're trying to have your space be calm and beautiful and it was the opposite of that so it was like like gifting me uh, this woman who came in clean, and I remember when someone's like a bit older than me, I feel bad when they're doing work for me. So I remember this woman, like she came into my house, like she did all the cleaning. It was beautiful and I appreciated it. But then she started complaining and she sat down and she started telling me her story. And I'm thinking now I'm trying to like take care of this woman when really I needed to be putting my feet up and having a break. But anyway, that was another learning in itself uh, about yeah, boundaries and all of that. But anyway, um, so that happened. And simultaneously, now I've come back from this workshop. I've got the agreement with my husband that we are going through with a home birth for my first baby. And we had to kind of go through those, the pushback that we got from relatives who, uh, like my parents-in-law, anyone close who didn't understand what we were doing because nobody else had ever done that. I'm sure that, you know, if we went in the ancestral line, I'm sure like our great-grandmothers and stuff, I'm sure they had, they've had home births, but somehow we, we didn't have access to that knowledge, right? Maybe it wasn't preserved or maybe babies died and it was risky or whatever. Um, anyway, I knew that it was aligned for me to go ahead with it. So what happened next was I had heard for the first time the term doula, D-O-U-L-A. So that was a birth attendant. And I heard from this principal of the School of Spiritual Midwifery that you could hire a doula. And so I started looking at Melbourne doula. I just went to Facebook, put it in the search term. Um, and funnily enough, before I had done that, I had a dream the previous night where I think I was just deep in conversation with God about what to do next and just, you know, pouring out my heart with my troubles <laughs> and everything that I was thinking about. And when I dreamt that night, I dreamt of a monastery in Warburton. And I'd never been to this monastery, but I had conjured up an image in my head because my friend Kavi, um, Kavi Nayaka, he was my friend in uh, university. He would tell me, he was Buddhist, and he would tell me of this monastery that was in Warburton and how he'd been there and that it's really peaceful and beautiful. And all I knew at the time was I wanted to have my baby in someplace peaceful, someplace green. So I was thinking now because there were all this trades uh, work happening at our house and it was kind of like being like pretty much repaired and renovated in the midst of me now trying to have a baby I thought well I I want a home birth but maybe I can't bring my baby into this mess um, so maybe I'd have to hire a Airbnb or something like that and have my baby in Warburton like that's literally what I was thinking and scheming right um, and I actually so when I put Melbourne Doula in Facebook, guess what? I, I got melbourndoula.blogspot.com or something. And guess where the doula was? Warburton. So I knew that this was like 
guidance coming in the form of breadcrumbs. You get a little bit and a little bit at a time. And I just knew, you know how you, when you get synchronicities happen and like, it's like a, a miracle had just happened and an opening. So now I see this landline number and I'm like, okay, now I had a conversation. The only conversation I've ever had about birth was with this woman at the Mercy Hospital or something who said, sorry, honey, uh, you've got to check out another hospital. We're full for births in December or late November. And uh, so I call this number and oh my goodness, chalk and cheese, this woman, Julie, my doula, who I hired in the end, had a 40-minute conversation with me for free. She was fiery. She was passionate. She was telling me all the ins and outs of the system. And it was like being gifted this on a platter, so generous from God through this woman, right? To talk to me about birth with no attachment as to whether or not I took on a doula. But she did give me a name another breadcrumb, right? See how guidance works. You don't get the whole picture all at once. Your your puzzle is not built in a day, right? It takes a lot of trust that you're going to get the next step when you need it. Not on your timeline, but when Allah SWT decides to give you that next step, you're ready for it, right? My consciousness was obviously open. It was pulling in like a magnet, all these people and places and resources to me for me to go through, right? So she gives me a name and she said, oh, you know, this woman is an independent midwife. So now I know, oh, okay, so you need a doula. Then there's an independent midwife, someone who works outside of the hospital system, who's willing to come to you um, and do your checkups and be there with you during the birth. So I call this woman and she unfortunately was on holidays. And so she couldn't take me on as a client. But guess what? I get another breadcrumb. She says, oh, you should call Belinda. Uh, You know, Belinda's just left Mercy Hospital and she's been a midwife for like 26 years. uh, And uh, she's just retired to do private practice. How about you give her a call? And oh my goodness, like I could not have planned this, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners. He is the most generous. So when she comes, Belinda comes in, she's blue-eyed. She's got these linen pants on and linen top on and her Birkenstocks. And she comes with her little leather satchel with all, you know, her stethoscope and everything. And she knocks on our door and I felt so at ease because guess what she did? She gave me the biggest hug at the door and literally like, literally rocked me in her, um, like literally enveloped me with love to say congratulations. And then she re- realized we were Muslim and we get the assalamu alaikum as well. Because at the time I was wearing hijab, so people wouldn't have even known I was Muslim, right? On looking at me. But she knew my husband's first name's like Ahmed. Even though most people call him Tariq. But, um, but she said, um, assalamu alaikum. And I was like, oh my God. And guess what? Her story, she worked with Bedouin women in Saudi Arabia at 19 years old as a blue-eyed, blonde-haired, 20-something or 19-year-old. Uh, she'd seen these Arab women giving birth and literally taking their placenta off and just like literally hopping off the table and going back into the desert. So she was telling us these stories. She was finding out like what we wanted in the birth and all of that. And I just felt so loved. I just knew this was the option. And she, you know, gave us her pricing and all of that. And and that's something that I just knew like I would be supported. Um, And even the doula, she said, you know, like you... Um, should be able to put any payments towards like people should be prioritizing this as opposed to you know you having baby showers and people spend on the balloons and all these gifts I never had a baby shower I didn't have a baby moon none of that 
Um, I was actually the first person in my group of friends to get married and have a baby. So no one was really into that phase. Um, yeah, I didn't really have a support system in that sense. So it was just literally my husband and I like going through this journey together. Um, and I, I had him and I had his trust and the fact that he was at that workshop, his intellect was also getting a yes, yes, yes. This feels logical. It feels, it feels right. You know, and he was able to explain to his parents at the time that like this feels right to us and we're okay with going through the consequences regardless, right, of what comes out the other end because we had a lot of, oh, but isn't it risky? You're not having a doctor? What? You're not going to a hospital? What if something went wrong? Like, you know, all of these questions, which are legit questions. Um, but when you meet with a midwife, they, they go through all of that risk uh, mitigation strategies with you. So you're taking in the whole picture and to me, it felt way, way less risky to be at home and have my baby at home than be in a situation where if I see, if you're stressed, your body is going to clam up, right? You're going to be tense. Now, do you think the baby is going to come out if the mother is tense? No, you have to be relaxed. That is like a metaphor for life of how anything comes to you. When you're relaxed, when you have no attachment, when your body's in a place of surrender, things come to you naturally. That's the way of life, right? So when you do the opposite of that, and you go against yourself and uh, put yourself in situations, people, places, environments where your nervous system is tense, of course you're going to clam up. Of course it's going to be more toxic of an environment inside, right? Um, so yeah, that was literally the start to, um, going on that home birthing adventure. So I actually went with my husband to Warburton at the time, looked at an Airbnb, met the owners of this place thinking, oh, maybe I'll go up to Warburton because my doula lives there. But then my husband was, um, in a work situation, obviously, you know, when used to work five days a week, I can't even believe we do that anymore. Uh, because we've gotten so used to things post-COVID now. With the, you don't work, go out the house five days a week. Um, at least it's for us. In, it's Alhamdulillah. You know, my husband doesn't have to do a five days a week from uh, like being on site. So at the time I was like, well, I'm going to be all alone in Warburton. And it'll take him much more time to commute over there. That it's actually more risky me being that far away <laughs> in that land. As opposed to just being in Doncaster and having the baby. And... SubhanAllah, like we, we got help in terms of the trades people did finish their work on time before the baby. We put a bit of pressure saying, look, we really need the house like back to normal. And I think the real estate agent paid for another cleanup uh, to have the place spruced up uh, before the birth. So I got to have the baby in that home, um, in my space that I was comfortable with. So yeah, that, that was how the first birth happened. Um, I'll probably do like a part two or three or something or in a different context if you want to know more about the actual event. But uh, since then, like I didn't look back and it was literally a case of trusting and knowing how guidance speaks to me. So I'm very cluey as to how it speaks to me. Like I got that voice, right? Saying don't do anything. Like I trusted that voice and I trusted that the answer would come and that my prayers would be answered. I had that faith. Um, and, and, and those same lessons that you go through with birth or anything, it applies to business as well. You always get what you need when you need it. And what if you just stop stressing <laughs> to know that the job, the clients, the money, like all of it will come in its time, right? You just show up and do the work, which is follow a process. Um, 
follow your intuition and, and, and do the work, leave the nest like the birds leave their nest to go find their food. But whether or not you find food that day, the outcome, that's up to God. That's not up to you. It's up to me to offer my services. Whether or not the person says, yes, that is not my issue. That's up to them, right? Um, all I can do is say, here's how I work with you. If you want to play, come play. <laughs> and uh, right now, like the way to work with me is what I've been saying in the previous podcast. It's like three sessions with me in a monthly intensive. Um, it's it's stunning. I, I love the work. I love how much I can take a person through. It's because you're getting someone's embodiment, right? When someone trusts themselves, my trust rubs off on you. You start trusting life if you have fallen off the wagon of trusting life, right? Uh, you see opportunities you start to look at your passion projects and things that weren't a thing suddenly it is a thing and now you're actually doing something you're putting your life force out there um to to help people and it's really just sharing your awareness with the world and knowing what you came here to contribute it's really sad when you don't know what you're here to contribute right and i can help you with that i can help you uncover that really easily and simply um, so subhanAllah, I don't want this podcast to be too long. It's about 32 minutes already. Um, I hope you took something from that episode. Share with me in my DMs on Instagram at Razak if you're following me on there uh, to let me know how this landed for you. Um, I can't wait to hear from you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.